0: Welcome into the Betting Pros March Madness podcast. We are here with a fantastic guest today, Tom Casale of NBC Sports Bet. You can follow him on Twitter at TheTomCasale. He is joining us after that exhilarating weekend of March Madness action. We have four days to get refreshed and replenished and get ready for the Sweet 16. So no one better here to join us than Tom. Tom, thanks for joining us today here at Betting Pros. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
0: I don't know about you. It was a rocky roller coaster betting weekend for me. It ended on a very high note. Saturday was rough, but a very high note on Sunday. Tell me about your initial reactions and some bets and how things went for you this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean they were okay. I I, I won a couple more than I lost. The you know I always tell people betting the tournament is tough. The, I have my edges in November and December when everybody else is betting football. I mean, you know you bet college basketball. The tournament, everybody is on an even playing field. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. I have to rank probably in the one percent of people who saw St. Peter's play this year. I'm a yes. Matt guy. I live near Siena. Mm-hmm. I thought if they got the right draw, they might be they they, but they might cover a spread, right? I thought Kentucky was a bad draw. I didn't bet it. So you're looking at a guy who's seen St. Peter's play. Didn't make any money off of them. You know what I mean? So that's how hard the tournament is. I knew it was going to be a crazy tournament, but you got to try to find to pick the right upsets and all that stuff. You got to try to find value here and there. So, uh, you know, I I think it was, it it was nuts. It's probably going to continue to be nuts. There was just no, you know, this way, there's no dominant team this year, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, is it surprising that Kentucky lost early? Yes. But would it have been surprising if Kentucky lost in the next round? Probably not. So it's going to be a lot more interesting things going on the next couple of weeks.
0: I am one of those few people, Tom, that also saw St. Peter's because I'm based out of New Jersey. In defo inside, loved everything about them, did not like the matchup against Kentucky (laughs) whatsoever. I actually said I'm laying the points. I expected Kentucky to get on a roll here. I love them. And then sure enough, it didn't cover. But I will say this. I will say that I did pick him against Murray State because I thought that line was too high. So oh, it was we learned, something, learned yeah, and, something.
1: And out. it's funny because that was the last game announced on the brackets. Yeah. And I actually sighed before it came out. And I said to my son, darn it, St. Peter's got Kentucky. Because yeah. those were the only two teams left. And so I was with you. I, I, listen, I was high on Kentucky. I was high on the SEC. That conference will never fool me again. Yep, that's so,
0: so true. Well, look, we have the Sweet 16 games coming up here. Eight fantastic matchups that I want to talk to you about. Just get your reaction here. We'll start on Thursday. We'll go in time order. Gonzaga minus eight and a half against Arkansas. That's 7.09 on CBS on Thursday. Tom, my first reaction here is I thought this was a little high. And I don't know if my reactions I should go with or not at this point. We still got a couple days to analyze it. But where are you here on Gonzaga versus Arkansas?
1: It is a little high because Gonzaga is always you know, a little overvalued, but I, I, I was dying to take Arkansas. I just don't see it. I really don't. You know, I, I tried to figure out this weekend where did I miss on the SEC. I thought they were athletic. I thought they played great defense. I thought they would be matchup problems. You know where I missed? Those teams can't shoot the ball. The, they all stink from three-point range. You know, one of the things I usually like in the tournament, Mike, is I like to find teams that don't necessarily shoot a ton of threes but rank top 100 field goal percentage from three because that, mm-hmm. that means they're efficient shooting it. And so when I looked at Arkansas, they have only played one top 50 three-point shooting team all season, and that was Vermont the other day. Mm-hmm. Now – Again, Gonzaga doesn't shoot a ton of them, but they're very efficient from three. And you combine that with the inside game, I'm afraid Jalen Williams might get in some foul trouble here. I'm leaning the Zags, even though my initial thought was right with you, it's too high. But I think this might be a game, because Arkansas is going to play fast with them, that the Zags may pull away in the second half.
0: Yeah, and another point, real great points across the board. One, Timmy took that game over and -hmm. would not let them lose against Memphis. So if they get in foul trouble inside, it's going to be a problem with Arkansas. And number two, they have to shoot well from three. And you talked about it. Their three-point shooting percentage wasn't great. It's why I actually ended up taking Vermont because I just thought the matchup wasn't there. It's all great points here. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Villanova minus five versus Michigan, 729 TBS. Had a great day yesterday, got this one wrong. I did think Ohio State would be able to keep this game close with Villanova. Tom, my initial reaction was, Villanova wins Ohio State covers that's what I kept coming back to how do you see it here Villanova
1: Michigan Michigan surprised me big win over Tennessee yeah I thought that was one of the more impressive wins of the tournament the uh, you know again the SEC struggling a little bit but I, I, have, I thought Tennessee played pretty well in that game I thought Michigan played better so that's something I look at too like you know you, you mentioned Ohio State they won their first round game but it wasn't like they were. They played the worst the worst performance in the tournament. Loyola, right? I had I had the Ramblers. There wasn't a worse, you know. So, but with Michigan, I I thought they played really really well against Tennessee. I think they can keep this game close. I, I'm kind of in the same boat you were with Ohio State. I see Villanova winning a, a close game. Maybe they cover with free throws at the end, mm-hmm. but I think Michigan keeps this game tight.
0: Isn't it amazing, Tom? I loved Colorado State all year long, and I was just enjoying life at halftime <laughs> of that opening round game. But it's almost like Michigan flipped the switch at halftime. Since that point, they've played well. Hunter Dickinson's banging threes there against Tennessee. What do you think happened after halftime of Colorado State with Michigan?
1: You know, those teams like UNC and Michigan are always always scary. It doesn't always work. They don't always show up, right? Uh, but if they do, they're scary lower seeds because nobody's going to debate whatever you think of those two teams, that they don't have more talent than their seeding, right? The, and listen, those teams have showed up for the tournament. They had you know, a little bit of down years, especially Michigan. So that's why I think if they can get in the post against Villanova and continue to do that, Uh, And don't get away from it and rely on three-point shooting because Villanova's going to lock you down on the perimeter. I I think if they have success in the paint, Michigan has a chance.
0: Next one here, Texas Tech. I was a little surprised. Minus one and a half against Duke. Lower-seeded team versus higher-seeded. thirty-nine on CBS. Duke, boy, that was a shame. I poured one out for myself there, (laughs) Tom. Michigan State should have absolutely covered that game against Duke. Had it at like one-point game with a minute and a half left. But Duke just can make too many plays, and they actually have players who can finish late in games, which Michigan State did not. And Texas Tech here fighting really tough against that play-in game winner who always gets hot, Notre Dame. They advance here. Texas Tech minus a small number against Duke. Where do you go here?
1: So Texas Tech matches up well with Duke. They have the number one defense in the country. They their defense in the paint is phenomenal. Duke's yeah. defense is weak. There's no other way to say it because Michigan State's offense stinks. So I, I mean, when you give when you give up points to Syracuse without Buddy Bayheim in there, Good. something's wrong. Here, here's my one issue: Texas Tech's aggressive defense fouls a lot on average to begin with, and as we know the officials don't mind putting Duke on the foul line. I'm afraid that's going to be the difference in this game. I really am. I think Texas Tech has a lot of edges, but I would watch this game early to see how the officials are calling it. If they're blowing whistles a lot, Texas Tech's in trouble. They're deep. I mean, not in terms of foul trouble, just in terms of Duke getting to the free throw line.
0: That's an excellent point, and it, we had some big free-throw discrepancies. You and I were talking about it on Twitter. There were some odd calls, some odd missed calls as well with TCU-Arizona, and then, of course, the Purdue-Texas game. My goodness, Tom, Purdue shot more free-throws than they made than they attempted field goals. I mean, that is, a, that is a very, very odd situation there, but either way, you know, it is what it is. You have to adjust, That's a really good point because they are going to call fouls on Duke. Coach K's last year have to be careful with that. Last game here on Thursday, Arizona minus two versus Houston. I felt like I had the right read on the Houston-Illinois game this this time. When I saw that line, I said, wow, my initial reaction, Tom, is Illinois getting points here? Hmm. But then I looked at it. Kelvin Sampson's numbers against the spread versus non-conference teams absolutely lights out. 8-1 Eight and one in his last nine games, seven games in a row, 60%. They're just tough to prepare for here. Arizona wiping their brow after escaping TCU. Where do you go here? Arizona minus two
1: versus the Cougars. Yeah, I think Kelvin Sampson's the best coach in college basketball right now. I mean, he lost two good players for the yep. season, and they're still this good. So that's impressive. This is going to be a dogfight. I had TCU last night against uh, Arizona, and the reason I did is I thought TCU was built similar to Stanford, and if you look at the Stanford scores against Arizona, they got blown out once, then they lost by four, and the other game was a 12-point game, but that was misleading because they led at half, and Arizona covered in the the last five minutes. So, And the thing that TCU and Stanford did well against Arizona's front line was rebound. I mean, we know TCU is the best offensive rebounding team in the country. Let me tell you something. If you can't rebound against Houston, don't bother getting off the bus Mm because those guys rebound as well as any college team I've ever seen, from guard to forward to center. I mean, they're all in there getting rebounds. I think that's going to be a challenge for Arizona. I I will say that when you look at – I mean, listen, we all loved Arizona, most of us, coming into the tournament, right? And you hate to have one game change that. The number's a little short, I think. Uh, If you think Arizona's the most talented team in the country like I did coming in, It's a little short, but I can't go against Calvin Sampson's uh, coaching edge here. I lean Houston slightly.
0: Yeah, I do as well. Arizona... Sometimes gets a little lackadaisical on the defensive boards. They rely on their size. You're going to have to do the fine details here Mm -hmm. in rebounding against Houston. Otherwise, they will punish you. I think this is a fascinating game. Shed has been hot from the outside, and this is a system game here. I agree with you. Samson is one of the best coaches, maybe the best one left here in the tournament in terms of tournament preparation. Absolutely. I'm leaning Houston as well here. Just impressive. The numbers are what they are. And Arizona is going to be really tested against a physical Houston team, which I think the reason they're tough, Tom, in the non-conference is because you can't prepare yeah. for the level of physicality
1: they bring. Yeah, and you you mentioned that Arizona has size. Size is great. Uh, but... If you don't have the hustle, if you don't have the want to against Houston, you're going to lose that battle because those guys are all over the place trying to get rebounds. I I would love to watch a Samson practice because he has to have some kind of practicing where they go after rebounds like that. That must be phenomenal. Uh, Arizona better come ready to play or they're going home.
0: Moving on to the Friday games, Purdue. I was a little surprised at this one. I get that St. Peter's is a 15 seed, but Purdue minus 12 and a half against the Peacocks here. 709 on CBS kicks it off on Friday. I listen. I understand we see these Cinderella's with the exception of like a George Mason or something. The clock strikes 12 at some point. I just am not sure. Purdue's defensive struggles have been there. They were giving up a lot of points. Texas, Texas made a huge run in that game.
1: Where do you go here? Purdue, St. Peter's. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, listen, there's a metric out there that tells you what the final score should be, you know, all the time. And I don't know if I really believe it, because then I hear, oh, St. Peter's got lucky against Kentucky. I I didn't I watched that game, I didn't think they were lucky at all. I thought they might have been the better team on the floor the entire game. And I know they were the better team on the floor of the entire game against Murray State because they never yep. trailed. Yep. So th- those weren't two fluke wins. Uh, St. Peter's, you know, as you said, we saw them play. They play a physical, physical style of defense. And, again, here's the thing about St. Peter's. You mentioned Purdue's foul shooting in the last game. Mm-hmm. St. Peters and Texas play similar styles, you know. St. Peters almost dares you to call fouls early. I I think Holloway says, "See what you can get away with," because those guys—they're mm-hmm. they're all up in here, they're slapping at you. They don't care. So that's another one I would watch early. See how they're calling the fouls. But I agree. I think this number is a little bit too big. I think it's more of anticipation. Well, St. Peters is going to lose at some point, but this is the turn. Everything starts over in the tournament. You know, if you took away Kentucky and St. Peter's jerseys on that game, and I said to you, which one of these teams is the number two seed? I mean, would you know right away? So I think St. Peter's stays in this game. Just watch the foul situation, because if Purdue's going to shoot 60 free throws again, I mean, it's all over.
0: Yeah, Purdue, 33 of 46 from the free throw line and only 43 field goal attempts in the game. Jay Ivy, special player, Tom, but has struggled with consistency. You know, he didn't score for a while in this game. Then he made some big threes late, but I'm not sure they can rely on that. I just feel as great as Matt Painter is, and I think he deserves a final four. He struggled that Virginia comeback. I mean, they should have Carson Edwards went nuclear in that game. They yeah. should have beat Virginia a couple of years ago. But I do think he struggled with how do I play these chess pieces of Zach Eady yeah. and Travion Williams and Saster Stavanovich has not been as great as he was the last couple of years. I think they got to be careful here because I do think down the stretch they struggle where to go. If it's not Ivy, I don't know where they go.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think he struggles down the stretch of who to have in the game. Yes. So it'll be interesting if it's close. One of the things to keep in mind is St. Peter's struggled badly with the big O for Kentucky. I mean, he dominated. He was all, all their offense pretty much because the guards stunk. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't take Edie out of that game. He should ha- he should touch the ball on every possession. Try to get those guys in foul trouble because that's where Purdue's big edge is. But this is a big number for how well St. Peter's is playing, and that team's got confidence. Next one,
0: Kansas minus 7.5 versus Providence. Tom, I've been all over Providence all year long. I have loved them. Shame on me for fading them against Richmond. Shame on me for that. I've watched this team, and what my rationale was, if you closed your eyes, forgot the luck metric, and said solid point guard in Al Dorma makes free throws, big-time shot maker in Jared Bynum, glue guy in Horkler, defensive guy in Menaya solid, not great, but solid center and Nate Watson and a great coach. You got Ed Cooley behind the bench there. We would like this team more, but because of the way it played out, people didn't like them, but man, they finally got the shots together against Richmond. Two threes by Durham, two threes by Horkler, a three by Manaya all in the first five minutes. Good night. The game was over. The question is, how are they going to do now against one of the top teams in the tournament, Kansas?
1: Well, you're talking to somebody who doesn't care about the luck metric. I think it's a made up metric that doesn't determine future outcomes. And it actually kind of makes people stupid sometimes, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I mean, listen, Providence was profitable against the number. That's not lucky. That's money. So I, I don't right. know what to tell people. And, uh, this, this number is off to me. I have a few, fu- my last future that's left. I, I came into the tournament thinking, uh, I have, actually, I have Arizona and I have a uh, Kansas left. Okay. Um, but, uh, this is going to be a tough game for Kansas. I think they're a little soft down low. The, we saw it against Creighton, even without their big guy. I, we saw it all year in the Big Twelve that you know TCU a couple a couple of times when they played them. You know, re- really bothered them in the paint. The way Providence plays with that toughness, I think it's going to be give Kansas some issues. I like the seven and a half here.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And I would say that was one of the main reasons that TCU bat- – those battles with Kansas, why I like TCU. I said, hold on a second. TCU here ends up having back-to-back games in conference. They beat Texas Tech at home. They beat Kansas at home. Fine. You want to say they can only play well at home. Then they go on the road against Kansas in the fog, in a game Kansas had to have in order to win at least a share of the Big 12. They needed that win, and it was 72-68. That's what really turned me there on TCU. And on the flip side, like you said, with Kansas, they should have crushed Creighton. No <laughs> yeah. call, no Brenner. No, no doubt hard. about it waiting for someone to get up on Trey Alexander, who all of a sudden became a decent point guard. O'Connell's bringing it up. They had nothing. All you do is stop Kaluma, who I think is a future pro, and they couldn't do that. Very alarming. Bill Self's been in these situations, and everyone's had bad losses, but I saw Kansas go against VCU that one year. I saw Kansas in Kansas City against Oregon without Chris Boucher, losing Kansas City with Frank Mason. I think this is a very questionable game. I agree with you. I like Providence, and I like that number as well. Next up, UCLA minus two against the Tar Heels of North Carolina, 939 on CBS. Shame on me, Tom, for not backing the Tar Heels here. I I had take lock on them. They were so up and down. They had the home loss to Pittsburgh earlier in the year. But really, Hubert Davis has found a rotation. Baycott inside has been fantastic. Thank you for the over and 12 and a half rebounds, Armando. Where do you go here, UCLA, UNC?
1: Yeah, I had the over that Baylor-UNC game. I just think Baylor has done it, kind of went as far as they could with their injuries. And if UNC played well, they would give them some trouble. This is going to be another interesting game. Yeah, UCLA, obviously, with the injury there to to Haquez, we'll have to see um, if he plays one of the things that I noticed during the year with the Bruins is I, if you look at their games against Arizona and Wisconsin or uh, Gonzaga, they finished one in three and allowed 76 points per game. They struggled in transition. And the only reason the number is that low, 76 points is because Arizona played a game where they missed about 35 open looks, could not make a shot when they scored 59 points that one game. So, but the, the, they were open, they were open all night. And I think they're going to struggle with use, with a uh, North Carolina's pace in this game. Uh, it's an interesting game. The numbers a little short, but I like the way North Carolina's playing and if they can get if they can speed UCLA up, I think they pull the upset here.
0: Yep, they have a lot of great games. If you just look at this, Tom, these games across the board, I mean, this is what everyone wants. They like the upsets early, but America in general wants the Blue Bloods late. Mm -hmm. We have a couple you know, upsets in there, which is great with St. Peter's, but they want these big teams. I mean, UCLA, UNC, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that with those games. Only two points here for the spread. Last one we'll talk to you about, Miami. Two surprises here. Miami minus two and a half versus Iowa State. Listen, the Hurricanes – Great matchup there. I thought against Auburn. I love them. As soon as the draw came out, I said to myself, Miami's way too underseeded. It was the first thing. They won on the road at Duke, which is not easy when they're playing well. They beat a good Wake Forest team on the road. They won at Virginia Tech, which was the ACC tournament champion. I like this Miami team. And, oh, Jim Laranega on the bench isn't bad to have either. Hurricanes minus two and a half. T.J. Asselberger on on the other side, one of the best, if not the best, coaching job, taking a team with two wins that was predicted last in the Big 12 preseason poll to the Sweet Six team this year where are you going hurricanes and cyclones
1: yeah i'm kicking myself for not taking miami against auburn a little bit of bias came in there because i have that auburn 70 to 1 ticket right and i and i knew i was going to be rooting for him but i even said on our twitter spaces i said who, who gave auburn the right to be a seven and a half point favorite seriously the way with the way they're playing i like this miami team i thought there could be a uh a sleeper Final Four in here this year, a team nobody was thinking about. I wasn't sure who it was going to be, but after the first two rounds, I think it might be Miami. Uh, I like them in this matchup because they don't turn the ball over. Iowa State can struggle uh, offensively. They love getting turnovers and turning them into points. Miami just doesn't let you do that, as Auburn found out. Auburn, very similar situation, struggling to score points. Uh, They get a lot off of turnovers. Miami doesn't turn it over. I like Miami a lot in this game. I think they're a threat to make the Final Four.
0: Yeah, and what I love is sometimes, Tom, when we watch these games, and you and I are hoops junkies, we watch them all, you get a feeling when you watch the game Mm -hmm. that something's going on. The best one I remember was Middle Tennessee State versus Michigan State, and I'm texting my friends, get to a TV. (laughs) Giddy Potts had it going on early in this game. I forget who it was. It may have been Jordan Miller. I don't know. It was probably midway through the second half. They were on a three-on-one fast break. And they pulled up Miami against Auburn for three with no one under the basket, and it goes dead center. And I looked at my wife, I said, it's over. Because when those things start to happen, you can tell that they're feeling it here. Three on one yeah. break, and he's pulling from three, and is just pumping his fist. I mean, it was tremendous.
1: And the other thing about Miami, you have to remember, they just played two of the tallest teams in the country. If Miami has a bit of a weakness, it's, uh, you know, height. Who, who are they going to play bigger than USC and Auburn? I mean, those, those two teams have have huge front lines and hey listen you got to give it to my uh, the coaching they they packed it in and they said hey why don't why don't you guards beat us and they couldn't so I like the way this team is playing right now I I think that this is actually going to be a uh, listen great story with Iowa State I, I think Miami wins this game pretty easily
0: yeah, Isaiah Wong putting posters on Jabari Smith. He was only outdone by Benedict Mathurin later in the game. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Miller with the rebounds. Cam McGusty. Charlie Moore has been with like four programs. It's a great, it's a great great story for the Hurricanes here. Absolutely. Tom, let's just talk futures here, then we'll wrap it up. What futures do you like? Where are you going now with the brackets? You look at things. You have some tickets yourself here. We got a Providence one on this side. Where are you going here with your futures here? What you recommend for people who maybe want to jump in right now?
1: Yeah, like I said, I still have Kansas going, but I didn't love that one to begin with. I, I bet that in October. Yeah, like I said, I think Miami. If you're looking for a team to make the Final Four or, or make a run here, listen, guard play. Uh, they have it. Uh, Providence is, is another good one. I mean, that, that those two teams uh, could meet each other. The You know, that's another good one. Providence, Miami. Um, I, I don't know if there's any value back against Gonzaga right now. The, I, I would like to say yes. Uh, I, I think Gonzaga can be beaten. I thought Memphis had the, the style to beat them, that foul trouble. Well, we won't get into that, uh, you know, kind of. And I think as much as I didn't like him coming into the tournament, I think it's pretty open for Purdue now. The uh, things have opened up for them, and I think they have a pretty good path to the Final Four. But I, I like Miami. If you're going to invest in the future, I, I see a nice path for them getting to the Final Four.
0: Agree with you about Purdue. I feel like the luck has gone their way with that bracket opening up, and I love what Miami as well. I'll I'll end with this. Here's my question. If Arkansas, who I think is out there still 60-1 to one yeah. to win the whole thing, if Arkansas can get by Gonzaga, would that change your mind a little bit?
1: Yeah, and I like the Hogs. I, I do. I, I that's a team I like. Um, again, I just I wonder how they're going to match up in that game. We'll we'll see. But yeah, listen. If you like Arkansas, obviously you want to bet them now because they They win, they, they beat Gonzaga. They, you're not going to see any more sixty to one. So I don't think that's a bad price to take a shot on. Listen, they're gonna they got athletes, and Gonzaga's that's where they struggle is is with uh, athletic guards. I, again, I just don't know if they have enough down low if, if uh, Gonzaga's twin towers are both on in that game excellent
0: point folks Tom Casale from NBC Sports Bet amazing job one of the best in the business rolls out the content constantly there for NBC does a fantastic job follow him on Twitter at the Tom Casale Tom it is great talking to you we need a couple days to relax take it easy and then we'll start up again on Thursday thanks so much for joining us here
1: thanks for having me